0: Our reading this morning is from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, reading from verses 4 to 9, and you'll find that on page 212 in the New Testament section of the Bible in the pews. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Finally, beloved Whatever is true Whatever is honorable Whatever is just Whatever is pure Whatever is pleasing Whatever is commendable If there is any excellence And if there is anything worthy of praise Think about these things Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard And seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you.
1: Well, I wonder, are you a worrier? Not warrior. Are you a worrier? Do you worry? Are you the kind of person who goes over and over and over things in their mind, just kind of unable to let go of them? Do you lie there at night, unable to sleep, running through all the things that could go wrong, or reviewing the events of the day and regretting things that you've said that might, could, perhaps, should have been said or done differently? If so, well, you're not alone. We all do it to some extent. I had one very restless night this week. As my mind kept returning back to something that had happened where I had upset somebody quite badly, uh, it felt a bit better in the morning, but at 2am it felt terrible. When I was a teenager, I had one of those inspirational cards that uh, I had stuck on my wall, probably brought, brought brought from the local Christian bookshop, and it had a paraphrase of verse six from our Bible reading that Jean gave to us a moment ago. I can still remember it and quote it. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything, and don't forget to thank God for the answers. It's a bit simplistic and it's not quite what Paul says, but in the darkness of the troublesome night it sometimes comes back to me and turns me to prayer. Prayer for myself, prayer for those I am afraid I might have hurt or angered, prayer for those who have hurt or angered or misunderstood me. And I don't really know how prayer works, but it always seems to me that a bit of time given over to putting others first is never time actually wasted." And of course, people have always worried, worried about the past, worried about the future, worried about the things they can't change as well as the things that they can. And historically speaking, the greatest source of worry for much of humanity has been where the next meal is coming from. The Bible and other ancient sources are full of stories of famine, the failure of the crops, was catastrophic, and fear of it has dominated people's lives for most of human history. But certainly between the rise of agriculture and the kind of the domestication of wheat about 12,000 years ago, and, and the modern era of fertilizers, which keep those of us, at least in the West, somewhat immune from this. In fact, some of the world's greatest religions were built around the gods of the harvest, with nature deities featuring in all of the animistic religions. And even in the Jewish Christian tradition, the thanksgiving for a successful harvest was a key festival in the religious calendar. With the book of Ruth, a story itself set around a harvest, traditionally read at the Jewish harvest festival celebrations. Well, here we are in the UK, and here we are today with our Harvest Sunday. And the tradition of the British Harvest Sunday uh, has its origins in the rural practice of bringing a thanksgiving offering to God for a successful harvest, giving thanks to God for another year of rain and sun and so on. And of course, giving thanks to God when things go well always raises, at least in my mind, because I have this awkward kind of mind, the interesting question of whether we should perhaps also blame him when things don't go well. Is a failed harvest an indication that God isn't with us anymore, or that God doesn't love us anymore, or that we've displeased him and he's punishing us? These are very real and difficult questions, and there certainly have been those who've tried to claim these perspectives, and if you read through the Jewish scriptures, you find people thinking sometimes that the failed harvest is a punishment from God, or something that God has done to test people. Well, I don't think I I buy that, really. My understanding is that God is with us in both plenty and famine. He's with us in the lows of life, as well as in the highs of life. The story of Jesus is, as we shall be celebrating at Christmas in, my goodness me, just a few weeks' time, the story of God with us, God with humans, through all the changing scenes of life, as the hymn puts it and so it's in this context of recognizing the diversity of our human experience and the turning of the seasons from summer to winter and back again and all the metaphor that goes with that about just our lives that the time of harvest can be a time for us to celebrate a time of plenty to rejoice in the highs of life to give thanks to god for all the good things that are in our lives so that's what we're doing today There certainly is a time for facing the difficulties of life and the lows of our experience and doing that in church, but we don't always have to beat ourselves up on a Sunday morning. Sometimes it's just okay to come and give thanks to God for the good things, as we have done this morning with a dedication of a little baby who's now bouncing away at the back there. I mean, it's just, it's a joy, isn't it? It's a time to come and say thank you. So, as we celebrate harvest today, I've got three little multiple choice questions. I wonder how much we know about harvest. So, assuming they come up on the screen, here we go. Uh, when This is the first one for you. When peas are harvested, how long do farmers have to get them from the fields to the freezer in order to maintain maximum freshness? Do you think it's 30 minutes, two and a half hours, six and a half hours, or 12 hours? Hands up if you think it's 30 minutes. Hands up if you think it's two and a half hours hands up if you think it's six and a half hours. Hardly anybody. How about 12 hours? A few more for that. Well, we almost had a tie between one and two. The correct answer is two and a half hours to get them frozen. This is so that sugars and vitamins are retained. I've got a list of pea varieties grown here in the UK. They are apparently called, get this, Twinkle, Jaguar, Style, Premio, Gonzo, Novella, Geneva, Mercado, Serge, and Oasis Peas, all grown here in the UK, and they need to be in the freezer in two and a half hours. Next question. A harvest moon is the full moon closest to the autumn equinox, when day and night are equal in length. What is the name for the full moon that comes after the harvest moon? Is it... Hands up if you think it's a hunter's moon. A lot of people are going for hunter's moon. Is it deer meeting moon? Thank you, Ross. Is it red plum moon? It's always worth a wild card, you know. Is it full beaver moon? No? Well, it is, you're mostly right, hunter's moon, but... Deer mating moon, red plum moon, and full beaver moon are actually genuine Native American full moon names. So they all also exist. Final little question at this point. In a much-celebrated April Fool's spoof in 1957, the BBC's filmed spaghetti crops being harvested. In which country did it claim that the spaghetti harvest was grown? Did they claim it was, hands up if you think it was Switzerland? few people. Hands up if you think it was Italy? Most of you. Hands up if you think it was Turkey? Nobody's going for the wild card on this occasion. Well, it was Switzerland. So those of you who got the minority answer at the beginning were right. It was narrated by Richard Dimbleby, and it was the first time, a television was used to stage an April Fool's hoax. So it was a, a milestone in broadcasting history. Well, we're doing Harvest today here at Bloomsbury, and it always feels a bit difficult celebrating a rural festival like Harvest in a city centre context like Bloomsbury. I mean, I know the next the church around the corner is St. Giles in the fields, but these have not been fields for a very long time. My food doesn't feel like it comes from a field Uh, It feels like it comes from Tesco, mostly. And so today, as we're gathering to celebrate the good things in our lives, we're going to spend some time celebrating who we are as a church, offering God the fruit of our labours here. We don't grow much here at Bloomsbury. I'm not aware we grow anything. Maybe the odd plant if somebody brings one in. But we do produce a lot of fruit of our labours in this place. There's a strong biblical tradition which has a metaphor of the people of God as a vineyard which produces good grapes from which fine wine can be made. And here at Bloomsbury, we produce a lot of good fruit, even if it is a little bit metaphorical, And much good comes through all of our hard work. So in a moment, I'm going to ask a few people to tell us about their experience of Bloomsbury. Two very simple questions. I've got a couple of people primed, and then I'm going to give opportunity for others to join in. The first question is, why did you first come to Bloomsbury? And the second question is, why have you stayed? Why are you still coming? It's an opportunity to say what we love about this place, what we see its good fruit as. And this isn't boasting, it's celebrating and giving thanks. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So let's celebrate who we are as a church and bring this as part of our harvest gift before God. So I'm going to pick on uh, Morris and Margaret at the back using the red microphone. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask Margaret first, why when, when did you first come and why have you stayed?
0: Um, well, I'm imported actually from New Zealand. <laughs> And I came over here knowing just one person in this congregation, that was Joyce Caddy. And so she said, when I met up with her, come along to Bloomsbury, and the rest is history, (laughs) including the husband on my right-hand side. (laughs) Um, I've stayed, I think, because I feel like there is a really warm fellowship here, something I haven't always experienced in other churches in the past. I mean, everybody in other churches is very friendly, but there's something about the depth of fellowship here and caring that I find amazing. And there's a chance too here to share your gifts. Um, So I've enjoyed being part of things and um, doing things around the church that I can do.
1: Thank you, that's brilliant. Maurice, do you want to, because you've been here a little bit longer, haven't you? And, but by the way, just before Maurice answers, if you see the pictures on the screen, these are some pictures of our life here. This is the kind of stuff we're going to be updating with some of these photos taken this morning.
2: Maurice. Well, yes, it's quite a bit longer, actually. I first came here in 1954 when I came to King's College and came here in the evenings because the evening congregation was then the big one and a lot of students came in the evenings and of course there was the John Clifford Society which was very strong, probably a hundred every Friday and that was upstairs and that was where I met my first Margaret. I'm sorry but I only marry Margaret. (laughs) 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 Um, And then we, I, I went away from London to Portsmouth and eventually came back in 1964 uh, when I went on the staff at the Royal Naval College Greenwich and so we settled in South London not intending at that point to come back to Bloomsbury um, because it was logical to stay local that was not very successful I won't go into reasons why we didn't stay there but we gravitated back here and found the fellowship and the friendship fantastic and we eventually came into membership in January 1965, 82 years ago. <laughs> Thank 62. you. 62, no, 52. <laughs> Sorry, how, no, how old are you? No, though?
1: 52. <laughs> was your degree in maths? No. no. <laughs> I'm going to come to Andrea in the foyer in a minute. Um, but with, I'm going to pick on you. Can you tell us how long have you? When did you first come, and why have you stayed? Um,
0: I came in '93, the year I was born. I had no choice. My whole family <laughs> attended this church. Um, I continue to come, because when I was growing up, I used to sometimes miss a Sunday and feel quite strange, and then I realised I can't actually not come to Bloomsbury. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So, Andrea, I'm going to come out to the door. Andrea is one of our new deacons, and she's actually on deacon's duty this morning in the foyer. So, Andrea, uh, when did you first come, and why have you stayed? Right, so um, I got my first job in London three and a half years ago, and I was staying close by, so I just Googled what churches are here, and uh, I was just looking for a fresh start, but something not very far from the tradition I grew up in, which is Baptist, and wanted to be part of the community here, so I chose Bloomsbury, mm-hmm. just to visit in my first uh, Sunday here, and everyone was friendly Then when I came back, I found that people were genuinely trying to answer questions about life, about
0: God, and what are we supposed to do here, and they were open about their struggles, which is something I've always looked for, so that's why I stayed. Thank you.
1: Okay, I've got time for two more, because I'm aware that time is ticking on, but anybody wants to volunteer? We haven't been over this side yet, so does anybody want to tell us where you first came and why you have stayed? Hi. Thank you. I'm Jonathan. I've been coming since the early summer. Yeah. Um, I confess I was brought up a Methodist. I apologize for that. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I have a job that's quite, um, works with quite uh, demanding, challenging children. And I wanted, uh, wanted to come to a congregation
0: where there was serious engagement with the Bible, questioning and, uh, and thought. And I travel in quite a distance to do it, but I, I value the preaching and uh, I value the, the teaching.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. One more. If we, anybody else? Anybody over this side? Chris. Thank you. I first came in 1966 as a student. I was invited to come. Uh, and it had a strong student society at that time. And over the years, I've worked in India for two years, I've worked in Norwich for two years, I've worked in Aberdeen for two years, but I always seem to keep coming back to Bloomsbury because, I, uh, because of the warmth of the fellowship. I remember my first Sunday here, and what hit me was the quality of the singing. It was just brilliant. And, um, uh, but there are, I mean, it's still brilliant, but it's the warmth of the fellowship that keeps me here now. Great. Thank you very much indeed. So just some of the fruit that this place has and that we give rise to.